0: Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to part two of a series we started last week called Recalibrate. And today uh, we're going to be talking about remember how we need to uh, remember Christ. And as we uh, begin this series, just kind of want to remind you of the heart of the series is just that we would recalibrate, recenter, refocus our lives on Christ and that all that's going on in the world that could distract us from that, that we would actually find ourselves being able to recenter on Christ, that he would be our rock, that he'll be the one that we go to, that he'll be the one that we worship. Because worship and, and and the act of worshiping God is central to focusing our hearts, our minds attention, our heart's affection on God. And last week what we talked about a little bit was that you know everybody I think intends that. I mean, everybody that comes to church and gets up on Sunday morning and, and all those that are online that are that are watching right now, I mean, everybody intends to have this, but our tendency is to drift just a little bit. And last week we talked about how we just get one degree off. But over time, it ends us just so far away from God. And so it's really important that we just refocus and recenter and recalibrate our lives on Him. And so if you missed last week, I invite you to, uh, to catch up with us online on that. Uh, one of the things that uh, we need to do uh, as we're talking about remember today is we need to not forget, right? Because we can be uh, forgetful people. Forgetful people. And, and maybe you're, you're going through that right now. You're like, I'm one of those people, I'm always forgetting something. Uh, there, was a, there was a family from the city that went to uh, see some friends of theirs in the country on the old uh, family farm, the country farm. And, and as they were at the farm, they were admiring all the things that farms do and all the work and the systems put in place and, and, and all of that. And one of the most impressive things they saw, though... Was this dog on the farm? And so the, the the farmer just gave a whistle, and what this dog would do is actually uh, corral all of these cattle, um, just just start barking and running around them and get them all into this corral. He would actually then shut the gate and then actually latch it. I mean, it was amazing. And and the, and the the guy from the city was like, this 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 dog is amazing. He's like, what what is your dog's name? And the farmer paused for a second and and he said, uh, what? What's the, the flower called that smells really good, that, that's red, and it's got thorns? And, and the city guy said, well, it, it's a rose. He goes, all right, thank you. And he turned to his wife, and he said, Rose, what's the name of that dog? <laughs> we can be forgetful, right? We, we forget things, and sometimes we forget to remember things. Uh, sometimes it's something really trivial that you forget, you know? It's like, oh, you're one of those people, I don't know where I put my purse, or you know, I, I, I lost my keys, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's stuff like that. Sometimes it, it's, it's stuff that, that might be a little more important. But they have developed something, uh, this technology, to help us with forgetfulness. Have you guys seen this? Uh, it's called a tile. Have you seen a tile? Yeah. How many of you have ever seen a tile, familiar with the tile? Raise your hand. And do, okay. How many of you are tile owners and users? All right. Amen. All right. Got some honest people in God's church. That's good. Well, yeah, so uh, they have these tiles. And what these do, in case you're not familiar with the technology, is there's an app on your phone. You can attach that to your keys. You can put it in your purse or something that you lose. You forget where it is often. And you put that tile in there, and you activate it in this app, and it'll actually ring and make a noise so you can find it. You can also, they have ones that GPS track it. And so you can look like, oh, I left that at work. I got to go back to work and get this. And so um, they, they make a different design, too, that's for a man's wallet. like a, It's like a credit card hard one. And and so, man, there's no excuse anymore, right? I mean, they have helped us out here. You know, we're we're not going to forget anything. And and you're sitting there, you're thinking, wow, that's great. You know, we can laugh about this stuff and kind of poke fun at each other a little bit. But sometimes forgetting is not good at all. Well, I'm most frustrated when I forget to pay a bill, okay? Because then what? It costs you more money, right? Or you get the threat of something's going to be you know, turned off or or, or shut off, you know, or we're gonna disconnect your your service. You know, there there, there's things like that. There there's things that are maybe even a little bit more serious. I, I hate it when I forget the password to a website. Have you ever done that? You try to go log in, you're like, oh I don't know the password and man, I you know, I don't know which email I used, you know, to reset the password. That can be so frustrating. And and those are a little more serious, but then there's some even more serious ones like You forget your spouse's name. You know, that's not good. You forget to take the dog out. When you get home, there's a big mess to clean up because you forgot to take the dog out. Or you forget to feed your children. You know, that's, yeah. So, you know, and that's the thing is that we can all find out that we are forgetful. We're forgetful people from time to time. Today we're going to be looking at uh, some passages that talked about uh, the people of Israel and God set up something very unique with them so they wouldn't forget A, who God was, and B, what He had done for them. And, and as they're doing this, I, I, it was a really neat thing. We're going to read about it in just a minute. And Joshua 4 is where we're going to begin this morning. We're being Joshua 4 and 1 Samuel 7. So if you want to get in your Bibles there, it's toward the front of your Bible, Joshua chapter 4, 1 Samuel chapter 7. And you can also follow along in the app. Uh, the app is there for you with all the sermon notes and, and a place for you to take notes as well as all the bullet points and scriptures are there for you. But in, in Joshua 4, we're going to read of, of, of this, this time where God was um, imploring them to remember. Remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you. Because here's the pattern. okay? If you have read the Old Testament, you see this pattern with the Israelites, which is God's chosen nation, His chosen people. okay? The the people, the Israelites, just have this tendency to forget. And so, so God shows up, he gives them commands, and they walk in the ways of the Lord. And when they do that, they have great success in life. But then it seems like they get tempted and they forget God. And they, they get they get swallowed up by the ways of the world or different things. Maybe they've, they've gotten into some things that have taken their focus off of God and it's recalibrated them over here. Now they're focused on idols or now they're focused on this other thing. Or they're just distracted by life on earth. You know, we, we, we kind of get that way sometimes. And so they go through this period. Uh, usually a lot of times they get warned by, you know, one of the judges or one of God's prophets will say, hey, you really need to watch out what you're doing here. You need to really, you know, you need to really recalibrate and focus on the Lord. And they tell the nation to turn. And so they go through a hard time. Sometimes they go through years of discipline. Sometimes they go through years of exile. And then they end up coming back to the Lord. And they remember who the Lord is and they celebrate that. And then guess what? They repeat the cycle all over again. And it seems like, why do they do that? It's so frustrating for me. And I hear a lot of Christians that have talked about this when you, you know, maybe you're in your Sunday school class, you're in your small group and you're talking about this. And you're like, Man, if I were the Israelites, there's no way I would have ever done that. There's no way that I would have ever, you know, been one of those people that that forget what God had done. I mean, God was walking with them every day. Uh, They were seeing Him. They were seeing miracles. And if I had that in front of me, I would not be like the Israelites, and I wouldn't forget the Lord. And yet, we experience God. We read His Word. We see Him answer prayer. We know what Jesus Christ, His Son, did on the cross of Calvary. And yet, we go through life and we get distracted. And much like the Israelites, we get tempted to lured away in our thoughts, and our, our minds, and in our focus. gets off of the Lord and gets on to some things of the world. We get focused on other things and we get distracted. And so we can sit there with pride and puff our chest out and say, well, if I were back in Bible times, there's no way I would have forgotten the Lord. We're just like the Israelites. We have this tendency to forget. We have this tendency to not remember who God is, to remember what He has done for us. And God is pleading with the Israelites and with us. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Here's the fact this morning I think sometimes we lose sight of God in the valleys and on the mountaintops. Sometimes we lose sight of God in the valleys and the mountaintops. Sometimes that's where we forget. Now, sometimes we're in the valleys and we're going through such a hard time, we're going through all these circumstances and we have this tendency to want to give worldly answers, right? It's like we're going we're to exhaust all the resources of the earth to solve this problem, to fix this relationship, to get us out of this situation and we take our focus off the Lord. And we don't remember that he's our God, that he's the one that wants us to come to him, yes, even in our times of need. Some of us, may we're the opposite way. That's when we're closest to God is in the valley. You know, in the valley, man, my prayer life goes up. I'm praying 10 times a day now. You know, my, my, uh, my Bible reading time goes up, and I'm much more focused on the Lord. But it depends on which way. But but then, then there's the mountaintops. And that's what's kind of weird. Because you think the mountaintops, yeah, we love the mountaintops. I mean, that the, the mountaintop experience with God... Of course I remember God when I'm on the mountaintops. I mean, that's when we're closest to the Lord and we go through these mountaintop experiences. But I think sometimes we have a tendency to forget God in the mountains because life is good. Life is easy. When life is good and life is easy and you're not going through anything, you have this tendency to what? To drift, like we talked about last week. One degree, just one degree off. And God is calling us to remember. Let's pick up the passage this morning, Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, and just a little bit of background here. They've taken the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of the Lord with the people of Israel. And they've come to a river, and they didn't know how they were going to get it across. And God said, go. And and they began to go into the Jordan River, and God held back the river, just like he had done in the book of Exodus uh, when they were leaving Egypt. It's a second riverbed crossing where there's water in the way. And God says, hey, let me take care of that for you. Let me handle this for you. And so he literally stacks up this this wall of water there. Uh, The Ark of the Covenant is going through, and that's where we pick it up this morning. It says, so Joshua, who was the leader of the armies uh, of God and the Israelites at that time, he said, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the Ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan riverbed there. And each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And then if you read in verse 8, it says, so the Israelites did what Joshua commanded them to do. And so so God wanted them to set up these memorial stones. And I want you to notice what it says there. It says that this is going to serve as a memorial for the Israelites forever. Now, let me explain what this means. They take these big stones out of the riverbed, and they stack them or put them in formation. We don't know exactly how. It doesn't really reveal it right there in those verses. But, But they make a formation of something. And so then when people are coming through, you know, coming through that part of the land, they're like, huh, that's a weird rock formation. And they're supposed to notice it. And then they're supposed to tell, the Israelites are supposed to tell of what God has done here. It's to be a memorial. It's to be a memory. It's to be a monument. And it's to remind them to remember what God has done for us. Remember they pushed back that We we were on the edge of, of this river that we didn't know how we were going to get across. God provided a way for it. And you're to tell your children and your grandchildren and they're to tell their children and their grandchildren. And we're to express this this awesomeness of God and what He's done here, even to the fourth and the fifth and the sixth generations that every time you come by here, you see this. And we have this in our lives. That, that we're at the the edge of the Jordan River and we're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. There's no way... There's There's no way I can get across this. And God says, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm the God of the universe. I make all things. I do everything, and he provides a way. And you guys have had those experiences in your life. We've been through stuff, you know? We've been through stuff, and God is imploring us to remember and we need to pull those rocks out, and we need to stack them, and we need to go by there every once in a while and say, hey, I want you to know what God did here. That's what's wonderful about being in a church. I can tell you stories about... Oakwood Christian Church, and look what God did here. Look at, look at this, and look at that, and look at all of these stories we have of who God is and what He has done, and to just be reminded and to recenter, recalibrate our lives on that. Now, let's turn over to our next passage, in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 7, something similar happens. Um, not exactly. The circumstances are completely different, but uh, it, 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 it comes around to this this thought of the stones again. And what's happened here is God's people are moving into the promised land. They encounter these people groups, and, and they're going through this this cycle of fi- fighting these battles with these, these people that are in the promised land. And uh, they're going through lots of different things. This is about two to 300 years, most scholars believe, after what we just read in Joshua 4. So a couple hundred years have passed. You might think, be thinking, okay, they're starting to forget. Israel's starting to go through that cycle where it's, okay, we, we moved away from the Lord. We, we forgot about God, uh, and we start doing it our own way and doing our own thing. And, and now God is calling them back, and they're coming back to repentance, and they're coming back to the their belief in the Lord. And that pattern is happening again. Let's pick it up there in 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 7, in verse 2, right there in the middle of verse 2, it says, then all of the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. See, they had turned away from the Lord. Now they had all turned back to the Lord. And so Samuel, God's servant, said to the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all of your hearts, Then rid yourself of the foreign gods. See, they got distracted by the world. started worshiping other things. And it says, get rid of all these other foreign gods and the Ashtoreths. Uh, This is like worship instruments and false gods. And commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. You see, the Philistines were these people that they had had been fighting for a long time and would continue to fight. They were a thorn in their side, but they were fierce warriors. And the people of Israel needed God's help to defeat the Philistines. And here they, they have come to this time of repentance, and, and, and Samuel puts it out there. and says, hey, if you're returning to the Lord with all of your hearts, you wipe everything out, and you refocus and recalibrate your life, and you focus completely on the Lord, and you focus on serving Him only. You get rid of everything else that distracts you in life, and you commit yourself to the Lord. And when you do that, when you obey God, good things happen in your life. Just the fact, good things happen in your life doesn't mean that nothing bad's going to happen in your life, it just means there's more good things that happen in your life. And here he says, hey if you all are serious about this and you will focus on the Lord that he's going to deliver you out of the hands of the Philippines, uh, of the Philippines, the Philistines, okay, not the Philippines, the Philistine. And so if you read the rest of this chapter it talks about the, the, what's about to happen. And we're going to go down to verse 12, but let's skip up to like, like verse 10. And 11 there, uh, it says, but the Philistines Philistines drew near to engage Israel in the battle. And and that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines, and it threw them into a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. And so God did some horrendous thunder. It scared the Philistines so bad that Israel just took them over because the, the, the Philistines were there. They were drawing near to engage the Israelites. They may have had the upper hand, but God took care of it. God's people had turned to him. They'd recalibrated, recentered their life on him. God says, hey, I've got this. He took care of it. Now look at verse 12. It says, then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. And he named it Ebenezer. <laughs> I laugh when I read that word in scripture. You won't laugh if you read it like in Hebrew, but when we read it, we think of Ebenezer Scrooge. Right, yeah. It's like, what does that word mean? What does the name Ebenezer actually mean? It's very interesting. Come comes from two words in the Hebrew that they've combined. The, the, the first part, the, the ebe, and the second part, ezer, eben and ezer. And what it is, it means stone of help. And so listen to what he does here. He says, he named this rock that they set there, the stone of help. He named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And if you read on, you understand why did he set up a stone there? Again, it's to remind the people of the Lord that when they walked through there and they're like, dude, what is this huge rock? Now this rock was, uh, most scholars believe this rock was probably eight to 10 feet tall. Like, like the whole army was like pushing it up and they would stand it up on end. They wouldn't just like leave it on the ground so it looked like normal like all the other rocks. It would just be this awkward rock, you know, almost like Stonehenge or something. And they would stand it up on end. And, and so when people came by, they would look at it and go, wow, what is this, what is this random rock standing on its end for? And people would say, hey, I want you to remember what the Lord has done. I want you to remember who God is through all of this. And it was to be a generational thing. It wasn't just for those people there now. It's like every time people go through that region or they go through that area, they're to remember who God is and what He has done for the nation of Israel. I think that's what God's imploring us to today. And part of worship and the songs we sing and the words that we, we say is because God wants us to remember. And many of you are here this morning because you can remember. You remember a life outside of Jesus Christ. You remember repentance. You remember salvation. You remember getting into the watery grave of baptism. You remember your Sunday school teacher that taught you the Word of God. You remember your parents that brought you to church. You remember your grandparents that were a holy influence in your life. You remember what God has done. But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I forgot about that. Because we do have this tendency to forget And when we forget who the one true God is, then we fail to remember His faithfulness. We fail to remember His love. We fail to remember what a big deal the cross of Calvary and Him sending Jesus to it for us. It is a huge, huge deal. And we have this tendency to let it just diminish in our life. And and sometimes when it diminishes, it just seems like it can even lead us astray. Some of us, we focus our our attention in this world on other things. You know, we're, we're worried more about our romantic relationship than we are the Lord. We're working on getting accolades and awards and, and, and getting moved up at work more than the Lord. We're focused on success and recognition from people more than we are the Lord. We're focused on accruing as much security as we can in wealth than focusing on the Lord. We're we are after that rush of temporary pleasure more than focusing on the Lord. And yet, God calls us to remember. Because the fact is, is that none of that stuff will ever truly satisf- satisfy us. It, it sometimes just has like a season, you know, a, a week, a month, a year. Then something happens, and you realize, man, that's not really what I wanted in the first place. And that gaping hole in your heart, you you try to put everything this world has to offer into it, just never quite satisfies. Because God says, remember who I am. Remember me. So I want to share with you just three quick things this morning. How do we recalibrate our lives? How, how, do, we, how do we do that? To recalibrate our lives and to, to, to remember. When we need to remember, what do we do? The first is that we need to remember who it is we worship. We need to remember who it is we worship. We so many times just lose sight of God and who he is. That he's the creator of all things, that, that he is large and he is in charge, that he is over all things. Sometimes we, we, we don't even take time to even think about what is his throne room like in the heavenlies? The expanse of, of his power and his might. The, the, the great love and passion He has for His creation, so much so that He would cut His Son out of heaven and send Him to earth to take on the form of a man, to suffer and die a gruesome death on a cross. Who is this God? Remember. We need to remember who it is that we worship. We also we need to remember who it is that we follow. We need to remember who it is that we follow because Jesus says to follow Him. In Luke 9.23, I believe, Jesus was talking to a crowd of people and he could tell, ah, oh, i got some fair weather followers here, some fickle followers. The ones aren't really going stick, to stick with me. And he, he turns to the crowd. as He did many times. The disciples are present too. They're hearing this as well. He says, hey, if anyone should come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Must deny himself the way we want to go in life, and take up the cross daily. Every day, it's going to be a battle. Every day, we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus, but it's important that we follow, and sometimes, I think, we we have this kind of, like, um, new age Christianity, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's even a little bit of, like, United States of America Christianity that says, you know, God did not really mean that we had to obey like, you know, First John, where he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He didn't really mean that. Really? He didn't mean that at all. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What I think, and as I read more of the scripture, I'm more convinced that loving God is keeping his commandments, and it's the evidence. You know, the book of James talks about, hey, you say you have faith. Well, I do. I can show you my faith by my works. Look at my life. Look at my life. And if somebody looked at your life right now, Which direction would they say you're going? The way of the world or the way of Christ? Are you keeping the commands of Christ? Are you doing what he has called you to do? Because if you are, the Bible says, if you really love him, you'll keep his commandments. So we need to not only remember who it is that we worship, we need to remember who it is that we're following, that we are called to follow Jesus Christ. We are called to to go His way, to go His direction in life, to do what He has asked us to do. The third thing, to recalibrate our lives, we need to remember in whose presence we long to be found. We need to remember in whose presence we long to be found. Folks, do you want to be here for the rest of your lives on earth? Like, I mean, for eternity? Can you imagine? What a disappointment. I mean, I I think back, you know, and I still consider myself pretty young, but I think back and I'm like, man, life in this world was so much better 30 or 40 years ago. I mean, it seems like the days are getting darker, the days are getting more evil. And as I have conversations with people, they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember what it was like 50, 60, 70 years ago. Man, it just seems like, yeah, we're one step closer to the end. That Christ is going to return. And, I would rather be more concerned about eternal life and being found with Jesus Christ than anything that this world has to offer. Because nothing in this world will truly satisfy. And that's why God calls us to remember, remember all of who he is, everything that he has done and his great love for us that sent Jesus to the cross. And so over and over again, Jesus reminds the Israelites and all of us to remember, stand a stone, and proclaim the goodness of the Lord, and worship Him, and tell His story and share it with others. As Jesus uh, was uh, going through uh, the the preparing the disciples for the end of His life and. And you know the familiar passage from John's Gospel, the Upper Room Discourse. If you read the book of John, there's actually several I Am statements throughout the book that Jesus states. And it's just a reminder to his followers of who he is. Listen listen to what Jesus says here. These are reminders to us of who he is as the Son of God. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. As found in John 6.35. The bread of life, the bread that actually gives us life. He sustains us. Jesus and God, they're our sustainers. He, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Man, we need light in this world, don't we? Jesus went on in, in John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, he says I am the gate. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus said uh, in John 10, 11, just a couple verses later, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What a good shepherd. He would actually sacrifice himself to save us. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, John fourteen six. He says, I am the way. I'm not a way. I am the way. Recalibrate, recenter your life on me. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. In John 15, I am the vine, you the bran- and you are the branches. If you remain in me, some, some translations say the word abide there. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You're going to have zero success in life. You're not going to fill... Fulfilled because you're not living up to your God-expected destination. In John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says this, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives in believing in me will never die. And you read all these I am statements through the book of John, you're like, Jesus, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? He's trying to say, remember who I am. Remember me. Remember all of the things that, that myself and my heavenly Father have provided for you. It's not only a reason to worship. It's a place to anchor your life. It's the cornerstone, it's the rock. He's our foundation. And everything we do in life flows out of God. And yet Satan comes and says, "What? you know, I want to take that away. I want you to go the way of the world. I want you to have pain and sorrow and suffering and violence and disease and all these things in this world. Yet God says, hey, I'm going to be your anchor. I'm going to be the one because I am. I want to leave you with this verse this morning. It'll be on the screens for you. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. This is Peter talking to some Christians. And he says this, As you come to Him, the living stone, And and there's a capital S because it's a reference to Jesus Christ. As you come to Him, Jesus Christ, who is the living stone, with a capital S, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to His his heavenly Father, it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, that we are, the followers of God, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christ. Did you catch what he says there? That you also, you followers, you Christians, you also are like living stones. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. You're telling me we're to be like living stones. And you know what he's referencing? He's referencing Joshua 4. He's referencing 1 Samuel chapter 7. He's referencing all the times in the Old Testament where they've stood these rocks up on end. And now he's saying, you are living stones. You don't need to take rocks out of your backyard and stick them in your front lawn and so people go, well, hey, what are these rocks here for? And give you an excuse to talk about God. No, it's the way that you live your life. It's the way that you love other people. It's the way that you are holy and set apart and you live different than the world. It's all of those things combined that when people see you, they see Jesus Christ. Because the fact is, that's the way God planted it and it's the, you're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. And you don't need to put a rock in your yard about it. Because you, Peter says, are like living stones and you make spiritual sacrifices to God because you love him so much. Why? Because you remember who he is and you remember what he has done for you. As we conclude this time this morning, I'm going to invite you to respond in two ways. The first way we're going to do that is communion. And so if you have the emblems with you, you can go ahead and get those out, get those ready. If you're watching with us online this morning, uh, make those communion preps right now. It's really easy to think about taking communion right now because Jesus, when he was in the upper room with the disciples, he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. He set this up as a memorial meal. When he was up there with his disciples and they were celebrating the Passover, he took the bread and he says, when you take this, When you guys gather together and you take this, I want you to remember, this is my body. And it's gonna be beaten and scarred and whipped within an ounce of its life for you. Do this in remembrance of me, remember my sacrifice, remember how much I love you. And then he took the cup, it's called the the cup of the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant. And he said, this represents my blood that's gonna be shed. And every time you take this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And anytime the the, the church assembles and Christians assemble, they come together. Jesus says, take this and do this in remembrance of me. Take these emblems. And it's just as it talked about in in Joshua 4, that it's to be a memorial. These stones will serve as a memorial for all the generations of Israel. This meal serves as a memorial of the sacrifice of the Son of God for all of us. And so just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And then I'm going to invite you and give you a couple minutes to, to take of that bread to take of that cup and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. But there's another way I would invite you to respond this morning. Because after we have a moment of communion, we're going to sing a song. And you may have noticed when you came in there, there's rocks on the stage that we tried to spread them out so we can try to physical distance while we do this. The song's six minutes long, okay? So you have plenty of time to come up. But we invite you to come up and get a rock. And all these rocks um, say the word remember on them. Olivia Neville on our staff wrote these like freehand. I didn't know she was that artistic. I just thought she'd print remember. You know, that's all I asked for. These are like pieces of art. But what I want you to do with these rocks, so I want you to take one, put it on your desk at work. If you're working in a truck, put it in the cup holder where you're gonna set your tea down. Put it on the nightstand so you look at it in the morning first thing where you look at it the last thing at night. Put it in your car, by the speedometer. Put it wherever you need to. I know somebody mentioned putting it in their pocket and just carrying it around with them. When you look at this rock that says it, I want you to remember that what we want you to do is come and grab your Ebenezer, right? The rock of help in your life. That every time you would look at this, you'd say, you know what? We got this. And I'm going to remember who God is. I'm going to remember what He's done. And there's nothing that we can't get through because of who God is. So we're going to take communion after I pray. And then the band's going to come out. When they start singing that song, we're going to invite you to come. And again, you have six minutes to come. There's rocks all across the way here. Just come up, grab one of those, take that home with you, put it somewhere where you'll see it. Let that be your Ebenezer. Let it be a reminder to you of who God is. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this moment where you just continue to speak into our hearts this morning. God, I pray these next few minutes would be holy minutes in our week. As we take this holy communion and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus through the bread and the cup. God, I pray this is a special moment. It's a memorial The victory over death as Jesus came out of that grave is the victory that that raises him from the dead is the same victory that's in the power that is raising hearts to you today, God. That resurrection power, we celebrate that. We remember that in this meal, the sacrifice of Jesus that was so necessary because of our choices. And God, I pray as we take this, it's just a special time of communion with you. And beyond that, Lord, as we begin to to sing that song and we take a moment, we come forward, we grab one of these rocks. God, I pray as we see that throughout life and through our daily life and, and, and whether we put it, like I said, on the desk at work or in the car or it's in our pocket or it's on our nightstand, God, that every time we look at that, we see that word, that we'd remember who you are. We'd remember you are the object. You are the center of our life. You're the object and the center of our worship that our mind's full attention and our heart's full affection should be focused on you. And so right now, God, just in these next few minutes, make this a time where we just draw close into your presence and just continue to have your spirit move amongst us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.